Hello and welcome to week four of the Extra Point podcast. I'm Matt Temple Marshall. I'm joined once more by the amazing Ross Williams. How are you doing, Ross? Much better now. I've been called amazing. I like that. <laughs> I wasn't has, expecting that intro. <laughs> has to be amazing after we had two winners each. Let's talk about them. Go on, give me your winners. Yeah, could have been even better. Could have been even better last week as well. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, literally within probably the last minute of each game, I was on for the clean sweep. Really thought it was going to happen. Uh, my Indianapolis Colts upset the apple cart a little bit and uh, came out of the win against the Chiefs. Maybe my long-term plan to get the Colts in the Super Bowl is to back against them every week. Maybe that's, less, maybe that, maybe that's how it works. Less of that, please. No more <laughs> it, kicking against your own team. <laughs> it won't be happening. It won't be happening. But yeah, two winners in the end. Uh, the Eagles uh, dispatching of the Washington Commanders, as we both agreed they probably would. Uh, so yeah, Philadelphia minus six and a half. Very, very happy with that. And the Baltimore Ravens, I was surprised by the minus three on offer against the Patriots at evens. Um, got a little bit sketchy towards the third quarter, but in the fourth quarter, Lamar's Lamar, just too good. Just too exactly. good. Exactly. I had um, Matt Jones in that game, one pick. He ended up throwing three. Obviously, now the injury knocks him out of action for a, a little while, but happy for a winner there. And then Amon Rasen Brown cleared his line as well. So happy days for us there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This week, neither of those two, <laughs> neither of those two players in the game. So uh, injuries are ridiculous. But yeah. yeah, let's get stuck into TNF and our bets for week four. So Thursday night football every week on this show, as we usually publish on Friday, is Saturday today. We apologise for that, but somewhere to go on holiday, didn't we, Matt? Lovely um, little trip to Faro and catch the sun before it before we hit winter. Well, we have hit winter here the way it is now. Yeah, we had plenty of rain while you were over there, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in the nick of time. Um, yeah, we always talk about TNF, obviously, as we're just after that game. Um, usually we look at it from a more of a betting perspective and obviously trying to find elements from those kind of games which you can take forward. Um, it would be a miss of us to talk about TNF without addressing the real elephant in the room, though, this week. would be a little bit different, and that is to a Tonga Vailoa. Of course, it is Sunday. We all have our own opinions on whether he should have come back in the game after the second quarter in that game. Uh, for the Dolphins, he did. He ultimately leads Miami to a famous victory. But Thursday night football, a very similar thing happens again. This time, even worse, um, instantly out or just just he's away with the fairies. Let's be honest. As soon as his head hits the field, and he has to be it's quite a gruesome scene. Really, he has to be stretched off the field uh, in the game against the Bengals. The Miami Dolphins go on to lose that game, twenty-seven points to fifteen. Um, just a grim look, wasn't it? Just a really grim look to see two A's, a play we've been aware of for a very long time, even pre-NFL, such a superstar at Alabama, plagued by injuries all his career as well, but such a talent. Just a really grim scene. We're not going to go too deep into it. We're not doctors, <laughs> but it is worth discussing a little bit, isn't it? How he was holding his hands up to his face. I've seen how that's linked with brain damage, effectively, and it's such a grim sight to see, especially after... Four days before that, how he, there was rumours of potential concussion, then it was back spasms. It's all really unclear at the moment. To be honest, I think it's more on the Miami doctors than anybody else um, who cleared him. But they did have an independent neurologist clear him. So it's, it's all up in the air. And it's obviously not for us to comment on, but it's just such a grim sight. And we hope he's OK. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All the best, too. He did put a statement out on his Twitter account. Uh, on Friday night, which seemed positive, just wants to get back on the field. That That's the thing. It's almost the element, isn't it? These NFL players, they're so, they're so competitive. They're such competitors. They want to play every down they can. And sometimes 
maybe there's an element here where you need to be safe from yourself as well. Um, and I do hope that the Miami uh, medical staff, regards what's happened in the last week, again, I'm not going to pass comment or accusation on those. I just hope they look after his best interests. Um, and yeah, going forward, let's be honest, I think we both want to see Teddy Bridgewater out there for the Miami Dolphins the next time they play at the very least. Let's just make sure Tua is okay. That's the main thing. The NFL is back in London. We've got the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints, but we all know it's at Tottenham. Ross, talk to me about what you're back in. All about the Vikings. Myself, all about the Vikings in this game. Uh, the handicap, and I will hang my hat on the minus three, because when I tipped this in our, my Spot in Life article this week, it was minus three. I think it's now about three and a half. The closer we get to the game, you might be looking at four, you might be looking at four and a half. I do suspect you probably have to get on this one early if you're going to be on the Vikings, but I kind of like it regardless. Um, you mentioned it earlier at the top of the show. Injuries are absolutely plaguing the league at the moment. Um, I can't remember it being this bad this early. We're only week four it, across the league, not just certain teams. There's a lot of superstars missing action, and I think that's going to uh, have a big impact on this podcast in terms of our picks as well in future games going forward. The Vikings, relatively unscathed in that sense. Only one player out. I think Smith on the edge is probably going to miss out. He's questionable. But the Saints, they've got the cornerback Taylor out. He's an IR. Mike Thomas is out. Jarvis Landry is questionable, not likely to play. They've got May out. They've got Andrews Pete out. Alvin Kamara is questionable. And, of course, the elephant in the room here, James Winston not going to play. It appears to be Andy Dalton at quarterback. It's a big ask. It's a big ask with all those injuries. I think with everyone healthy, I'd probably say the Vikings would be favoured anyway. Uh, it's a one, it's a two and one team versus a one and two team. The one loss for the Vikings came against the Eagles. I don't think there's too much shame in that at the moment. The one win for the Saints came against the Falcons, where they didn't cover the spread. They've not covered the spread all year. I think they'd be favoured anyway. But with these injuries, I, I like the Vikings, especially only giving up three points. I think it's a little bit, it's a little bit too tight that spread. So um, yeah, I think Minnesota will win this probably by a touchdown, in, in my opinion. It is weird how many injuries there are across the league. I don't really know what's going on, but I do I do agree with your point there. On the flip side, I have got a bet for the Saints, take effectively taking advantage of these injuries. And exactly. that is that is Chris Alave, who to be fair, even with <clears throat> Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry in the lineup, he has balled out. I'll just run through some numbers. He's got 17 catches for 268 yards this year. That's the seventh most in the league. In his last two games, he's had 13 targets consecutively, which is ridiculous. Against the Panthers so last week, he had nine passes. Well, he caught nine passes for 147 yards. And I can see a similar outcome against the Vikings. Obviously, as you addressed, you've got Michael Thomas out and then you've got Jarvis Landry who's questionable. It's touch and go on whether he, on whether he plays. But I just really like Alave here. In the first half last year, First half, sorry, last game, he went off for about 70 yards with both Thomas and Landry in the game. And then in the second half, he produced effectively the same. He had 72 yards. He's electric. Rookie first-round receivers look amazing. And obviously, you might be worried with Jameis Winston being out and you're looking at Andy Dalton coming in. There have been rave reports around Andy Dalton in terms of his football IQ, his intelligence around the game, and he is a competent quarterback. I'd make the point, as far as backup quarterbacks go, there's a there's way worse. There's way worse, isn't it, to be going to that spot. He's still a man who's been to the playoffs at the end of the day, isn't it? He's up there with one of the best in the league in terms of backup quarterbacks. He had several good years with the Bengals, and he is competent. I think, to be honest, there's been quite a lot of buzz around New Orleans with 
Winston's performances, they've been poor to start the year. You look at how he was with Peyton last year. They really changed his game. He wasn't throwing interceptions. He wasn't throwing nearly as much. Now he's back up to the old Winston that we knew, throwing picks. There was rumours around how we might actually see Dalton. The injury has forced Dalton to come in now. But I wouldn't really be too concerned around it in terms of the Larve's production. He's facing the Vikings. Last week, they allowed 219 yards to uh, Detroit Lions wide receivers. And on the year, they've conceded the sixth most to the position. I think Alave is the real deal. And his receiving line is only 59 and a half. I'd back that at five to six. And you can get at for over 100 receiving yards at 17 to four, which I really like. That's really nice. I think that's really nice. As you say, he may well be the number one receiver in this game. So as I have that line is, uh, yeah. And as I mentioned, Kamara potentially out as well. So the run game's going to take a hit. Don't throw the ball. Makes a lot of sense to me. I do think the Vikings are going to win the game overall, but... I think the reason the spread probably is as low is because they're a little bit concerned about this young guy, <laughs> Chris Olave. I think they're a little bit worried about him. Um, and as they should be, we're a broken record, but every single week we talk about these young receivers. Here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, there's a lot of talent around. And uh, yeah, he, he might raise a few eyebrows at Spurs on, on Sunday, hopefully. All right, moving on to the rest of the games for the weekend. Ross, you are back in... It's a lenient point spread, but you're back in... The Jags against maybe the best team in the NFL. I've had to look in the mirror long and hard about this one. <laughs> I have. I've had a lot of thinking. I've had a lot of thinking. And I, I do reference in my article, yeah, I certainly did not envisage four weeks ago any kind of scenario where I'd be back in the Jacksonville Jaguars against, as you say, well, literally the, the form team in the NFL, the only current undefeated team uh, in the NFL following Miami's loss. But, and it's the crazy thing to say, I don't think there's a team in the league currently that matches up as well against the Eagles as the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is, I don't know, insane, but the numbers add up. The numbers add up. Um, look, Philly are scary. Philly are a good team, a very, very good team. The way they were able to really implement the past game last week was, yeah, scary probably is the word. Uh, Jalen Hurts was pulling the ball around. They got AJ Brown involved. I didn't reference on the pod last week. I thought his first touchdown was coming. It came. I uh, should have backed it myself, did not, but I'll learn from that one. Um, but, but I think still it's the run game that opens that up. It has to be the run game that opens up. It's still their bread and butter. The Jags is the best rush defense in the league this year. 55 yards per game. It's it's minimal. You're not getting anything. The D in general looks insane, doesn't it? It looks great. It looks great. And it, it's it, Naturally, we're kind of surprised at this because we've seen where the Jags have been in the standings over the last few years. And you go, where on earth have they got this defense from? But of course, the counter argument to being the 32nd team in the league and constantly around that bottom five is you get top five talent in the draft at, in the defensive positions. And that's what they've been doing. They've been stockpiling for really four or five years now in terms of elite defensive talent. And it's coming together. What's let them down the last couple of years has been bad coaching, particularly last year. Doug Peterson is now in at the Jasper Jaguars. This is a revenge game. Let's not forget. This is the man who won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Going back to the link, he's got them playing very well. As you say, it's not just against the rush. Six interceptions on the year. No one's had more than that. That's the same as the Ravens at the top of the list. And offensively, Trevor Lawrence looks great. Trevor Lawrence looks great. The scoring points, look, you can make every point about the Chargers last week. Both are going down. Obviously, the problems they have on the offensive side of the ball. To go to LA and score 38 points is it still... Washed. It was a demolition job, wasn't it? It's still an achievement regardless of who you're facing in the NFL. To score 38 points, especially when you've got no 
expectation the week before, obviously, they had the 24 0 win of the Colts. It's a good football team. It looks like a good football team, at the very least, a very competent football team. And as you say, seven points is a big spread. It's a big spread for a team in. There's, there's the motion of um, riding the hot hand in the NFL, isn't it? Sometimes I think a team in form is a team of confidence. Are they going to beat the Eagles? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say they're going to go to Philadelphia and beat them. But can they stay within seven? I absolutely think they can, yeah. Yeah, I think it's disrespectful that the line is so high, given everything that Jacksonville has done so far this year. They do look really good. I think there's a really good chance that they do win the AFC South. And like you say, I wouldn't go as far to say they're going to win this game, but it's definitely going to be tighter than over a touchdown win. Yeah, I think that's it. I think the defence is... I mean, the Eagles' defence is good as well. I'd argue that the Jags is on par, if not even a little bit better than the Eagles so far. And in terms of points scored, they're averaging 28 points a game. The Eagles are averaging 28.7. It's minimal, isn't it? I mean, when you talk about seven-point spread, you really can't... <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be. You simply shouldn't be, I don't think. So, yeah, as much as it's pains me a little bit, I'm, I'm going with the Jags this week, for sure. Uh, what's your first pick of the week? I'm going to go for a, a sacks double. Going for going for the defense. I've seen. I saw a stat that was there hasn't been this few points scored in the NFL since two thousand and three, which is just blowing wow. my mind. Maybe we should take a look at the unders. Probably, <laughs> but, <laughs> maybe maybe that's what you're telling us, though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going for the sacks and starting off with the best team in the league in terms of sacks, and that is the Dallas Cowboys. Their D in general has been amazing, and it's just you look at who they're playing. We're dealing with Dallas. Cowboys, who are the best sacking team in the league against the Washington Commanders, who have allowed more sacks than anybody in the league. They faced the Eagles last week. They gave up nine sacks. That takes their total to 15 in the league, which unsurprisingly is tied with Bengals for worst in the league. But it's just mad. You look at Carson Wentz, when he's dropping back to pass, he's getting pressured on 30% of his pass attempts, which that is just ridiculous. His O-line cannot cope. Starting centre Chase Rudio went down on IR. There's obviously communication issues on that line and they're just getting blown up. Meanwhile, as I talked about, the Dallas Cowboys have produced the most sacks in the league. They've got 13 through three games and they're averaging over four sacks per game. You look at week two when they played the Bengals, they had six sacks against them. And to me, that is a really similar feel to the Commanders. Michael Parsons, he had um, three sacks against Washington last year and he's looking like the defensive player of the year so far. Yeah. You've got Cooper Rush's quarterback. You're going to have to rely on your defense to grind out the results. And I expect another dominating performance from the Cowboys defensive line. Makes a lot of sense. Makes and a lot of sense to me. Looking at the flip side, I'm looking at the worst team in the league in terms of actually producing the sacks. And that's the Arizona Cardinals. Who would have thought that giving up Chandler Jones and having no plan in place to replace him would be a bad idea. <laughs> it's an interesting front office in Arizona, isn't it, to say the least? There's <laughs> exactly. interesting calls made, yeah. They rank dead bottom in the league for sacks with just two. Both of those sacks have come from J.J. Watt and they haven't got any help from elsewhere. Well, you think of J.J. Watt, he's now questionable for Sunday's clash. He missed two straight practices, but he did manage to get on the field on Friday. I think he probably does play because that is exactly the same to what happened last week, but he's questionable. So there's going to be injury concern. He probably won't be at 100%. But you look at outside of who they've got in terms of outside of JJ Watt, their depth chart, their front seven, is probably the worst in the league. There is no talent going. A couple of names I want to call out, starting with Isaiah Simmons. When he was drafted, he was labelled the Swiss Army knife, this do-it-all, true game wrecker. 
now he's probably just been called a bust and he's struggling to even get on the field. He was benched in week two. And when he has play, has been playing, he's got a 46.1 grade with PFF. That's 60th out of um, 72 eligible linebackers. They thought they were drafting Micah Parsons before Micah Parsons, didn't they? And it's just exactly. chalk and cheese at this point. Exactly. And then fellow linebacker, Zayvon Collins, he's got an even lower PFF grade and he's got one of the highest missed tackles percentages in the leagues. He's, he's so talent poor, this group. And they face the Panthers... Fair enough, you're not thinking, oh, this is a sturdy, star-laden offensive line. But they managed to keep the Saints in check last week for just two sacks. You think mm-hmm. of Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport. It's capable. The The line is two and a half here. You think they've had two sacks all year through three games. The Cardinals' pass rush is not up to the task. I think take the generous under here. I've tipped it both. I'm waiting for the price back from the Skybet traders for both the Cowboys to have over their sack line and the Cardinals to have under the sack line. But I really like those two selections. It's left field. I like it. It's along the lines of the kicker picks a few weeks ago. I love (laughs) love going left field in these player props. I really like it. Um, Yeah, make a great case. As you say, I think, yeah, the Seahawks dealt with the Saints. Don't underestimate that Saints D is pretty good. Um, Injuries aside, obviously, uh, as I referenced earlier. But yeah, I like it. Great case. Great case of both. Just one tiny little point I want to add just rolling back a little bit, really interesting the points thing, just as an overall statement. If this is the lowest scoring season since 2003, you say, um, I think it's because the best teams in the league are the best rushing teams at the moment, which is weird because for the last two or three years with Mahomes, with Herbert, uh, with Burrow to an extent, these young quarterbacks coming through, um, there's been real talk about this is now the, it is a passing league, back to when it was Brady and Manning at the pump. This is a passing league and that's it. You can just win the game with pass. You can't win the game with the run. It's flipped again. I think it's flipped again this year. It's a wider point, and it's something we can discuss in future episodes. But yeah, it seems to be the run teams. It seems to be the Eagles, teams like that, who are really getting success in this league. And it is something that I'll talk a little bit later on about as well. Um, I'll go for my second pick then. Uh, Seahawks. I'm going to go Seahawks mm. against the Detroit Lions. Look, I like the Lions. We all like the Lions a little bit, don't we? I think if you're not a fan of a rival team in the NFC North, everyone kind of roots for the Lions a little you bit. you got a soft spot for the Lions, haven't you? Yeah. Hard Knocks helps, of course. The fact are on Hard Knocks this offseason. Dan Campbell helps. He's a bit of a lunatic. We like it. Um, but they play for 60 minutes. They have all year. They did last year. They don't win, they don't win every game by any stretch, but they do play for 60 minutes. They play for each other. And they get pretty good production out of a team that probably shouldn't get that level of production. Um, so why am I taking the Seahawks? Injuries again, I think, is a huge, huge factor in this one. DeAndre Swift is out, I believe. Jamal Williams has been playing well, but he's a different kind of back. He's not going to be as dynamic as DeAndre Swift. Is he going to be good inside the 20? Yes, yes, he is. But they're going to have to get into the red zone. That's where the challenge is going to come from. DeAndre Swift regularly is picking off plays for 40, 50 yards down the field. They're not going to have that in the backfield this week. Amon Rossett Brown. You reap the benefits of Amazon St. Brown last week. He's out as well. He's been huge for their offense. Absolutely massive. With him out, TJ Hawkinson will probably play, but hasn't practiced too much this week. Same with Josh Reynolds. I think DJ Shark might be wide receiver one, potentially. I mean, it, it gets pretty bleak. It gets pretty bleak. And Jared Goff, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a real test for him. I don't think they're going to be able to put the points they have in the last few weeks. And that gives an opportunity for the Seattle Seahawks, I think, because their offense, it, it's solid. It's not great. And look, the Seattle are, are a team, 
are they going to win more than five or six games this year? Probably not. Probably not. They're probably going to fall uh, in, in that lesser bracket. But there's still a little bit of talent there. Geno Smith led them to a win in week one. DK Metcalf's still there. Tyler Lockett's still there. They're at 16th in the league in offense. They're right in the middle. They're right in the middle. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just, they're just there. The interesting thing about Seattle is they're 31st in the league on defense. They're poor, but as I said earlier, Detroit don't really have the offensive firepower this week to trouble them too much. Seattle still have that firepower. DK Metcalf, he's due a game, isn't he? It, it kind of feels like he's due one. We saw a flash um, last week starting to get backed up to what he is. We did. He's made a couple of comments about the Detroit, uh, Detroit secondary in the last couple of weeks as well. He's going in for them. I said Seattle have the 31st ranked defense in the league. Guess who has got the 32nd ranked defense in the league? That the Detroit Lions. Lions. Yes. For all the good they do on offense, all the good they've had out of the offensive line, how they've kind of outplayed their potential, they're awful on defense. They are really awful on defense. And Jeff Akuda, CB1, drafted very early. Probably not the player they thought they were drafting. DK Metcalf made a beeline for him in the press. I think this is a DK Metcalf game. I think Geno Smith is just about good enough to get in the ball. And I love the value. I just love the value in this game. You could, you're getting pretty close to two to one. You may even get close to two to one by game time in this one. I think Seattle are going to beat the Lions at a really, really nice price. I don't know what you think about that, but it's a little bit of a punt this week, but I think there's justification there. I like it. The injuries, the injury is definitely the case here. It's like you say, it's even the backup players, there's question marks around those with injury concerns. So yeah, it's it's tough. Lions is everybody's second team almost, but <laughs> I can understand your reason for sure here. Yeah, I just think the matchup, it just works at the right time. Later on in the season, probably not. Uh, earlier on in the season, probably not. It might just be the perfect time for Seattle to get a win here. And uh, yeah, home field advantage for Detroit. Does such a thing exist? I'm not sure it does. So, so yeah, I'm riding with the underdog Seahawks this week. Um, final pick for me? Yeah, I'm going um, in the Cleveland Browns at Atlanta Falcons. I've got David and Joku here. Oh, he's really balled out last week. We've got a 32% target share. That's up from 20% in week two. Turn that into nine catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. He's facing the Falcons and... They currently rank as the second worst team in the league to the position. They've allowed, on average, well, per game, 6.3 catches and 73.6 yards per game to tight ends. They haven't faced any elite tight ends throughout that stretch. 73 yards to a tight end is ridiculous. Njoku's yardage line is at 35 and a half. I've definitely backed him to take that on. But I've also backed tipped him to... Um, score a touchdown. He's building a good report with Jacoby Brissett, and I think he's surprised a lot. When we saw everything come around Watson and we knew that it was going to be Brissett starting, we kind of viewed it as, oh, it's just going to be, they're going to lose every game. The season's probably a write-off. Brissett looks competent. It actually looks pretty good, to be honest. And on the year, the relationship with Njoku, there's an upward trend in terms of the target share, but also with red zone targets. He's had five targets and he's holding three catches and caught one touchdown that came last week. Clearly a good relationship here, and it's a plus matchup against the Falcons. Throughout three games, they've conceded 76 points. That ranks as the sixth worst in the league. I think with everything considered in terms of such a good matchup for um, Njoku against the Falcons, who are poor against tight ends, they're conceding so many points in general, so we can expect a high points, well, a high affair for Cleveland Browns. I really like him to score a touchdown and to have over 35 and a half receiving yards. And you can get that at 16 to 5, which is a huge price. 
I like that a lot. I think David Joker is one of these players that's you've always felt he's had it. You you always felt he's had that talent. Um, he's always had flashpoints. He's probably just not done it that consistently. But as you say, it's all about rapport. All about rapport of a quarterback. You say about Jacoby Brissett. I'm a Colts fan. I watched a game of Jacoby Brissett. He was never bad, really. He was just he is what he is, and he's a player that need, he's not going to make the throws for Patrick Mahomes. He's not gonna. He's not going to be too flashy in the red zone as well, which I think is, is key. Uh, he's probably not going to be looking at likes of Mario Cooper too much. He's a safety blanket kind of QB because he's a little bit limited. That's why Joku comes in. That's why I really like it. Yeah. Um, and he's just a big human as well. He's going to match up very well against the Falcons. So Exactly. I, I always think follow the money with the NFL. They gave him a huge contract, which was kind of surprising at the time because his production didn't match up to it. But inside that office they knew the potential was there the athletic ability yeah. and what he was capable of and they let Austin Hooper go to the Titans and Joku is a tight end one here and he looks every part of it throughout three weeks so far so yeah, I can see another big game Ross bring us home Bears at Giants what have you got yeah I don't usually like tipping touchdowns too much I think the yardage lines are a little bit more scientific and you can kind of do a little bit more of it you're flipping a coin a little bit sometimes with touchdowns just the nature of the beast however in this one um if you do intend to spend your Sunday evening watching the Giants and the Bears um I mean as a red zone job if ever <laughs> yeah I mean the laughter I can hear in my headphones uh, probably sums it up um if you're looking for uh, the ball being passed with the air, not the game for you, and not the game for you. This is going to be, uh, <laughs> yeah. The Bears cannot pass the ball. I think it's... I think Justin Fields is the worst quarterback in the NFL. I would go that far. Take everything. Right. He's good with his feet. He's a great scrambler. He is a terrible passer. He's had the highest game completions he's had is eight eight completions in a single game. He's played three games. He is not an NFL quarterback. He's, they're averaging 78 yards per game passing. That is, <laughs> for context, I've, I've been watching the sport for 10, 9, 15 years. Um, I've never seen that. I, I've never seen that stat. That is, to be, to be below 100 yards per game passing in the National Football League is absurd. I mean, they are two, they are two and one, which is remarkable. Uh, they're, they're an incredibly bad two and one team. Uh, I think along with the Broncos, we've got two of the worst potential two and one teams I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, the Bears cannot pass the ball. Um, Obviously, you had a monsoon game in there against the Niners, but yes. even outside of those two, it's he, still been really poor. And the, yeah. the passing uh, down. I'm not even going to try and throw out <laughs> throw out caveats. It's just bad. They're yes. not, they're not going to pass the ball, nor should they. Uh, on the Giants side, Daniel James, uh, Daniel James, Daniel Jones, uh, Daniel James would be terrible at past the ball, I imagine, in the Giants, uh, Giants offense. Daniel Jones a little bit better, but still, it's not great. I think they rank uh, within the bottom five in terms of passing yards as well in the NFL. Uh, again, I've got to talk about injuries. Still in Shepard's out for a year. That's that's an absolute sickener. It's a sickener uh, for the New York Giants. Kadarius Tony, we've discussed him a little bit in the last few weeks. He looks set not to feature as well. He's got a hamstring. How on earth he's got a hamstring for the little time he's been on the field? I've absolutely no idea, but there it is. Kenny Galladay, $72 million of footballer. Just been an absolute non-factor. I don't see that changing. I don't see why be, he should. I think he'll be cut very, very soon. I think he'll be cut. Yeah, I think the only reason they've not cut him so far is because they've probably been looking for a trade and no one with half a brain cell is going to take that trade, but they have to have a go. David Sills and Richie James probably going to be 
You've also got Wandale Robinson out as well. Yes, so exactly. another rookie receiver out. I actually I was very close to tipping Richie James in this one for his yardage line, but it's just not sexy enough. Richie James Jr. is not sexy enough to be tipping, but exactly. Yeah. I mean it's gonna have a it's gonna have a relatively low line, so I get that. Exactly. It's just it's just yeah, you're not gonna win a game for a ball to Richie James all day. And with all due respect to David Sills, him neither. So they've got to commit to the ground as well. Basically, you've got two teams here, can't really pass the ball, won't want to pass the ball. They've got to go on the ground. Saquon Barkley looks like Saquon Barkley. We've said it for a couple of weeks. I'm on the boat. I'm ready. I'm ready for Barkley season. He's on pace for 2,000 yards this year. Let's ride it. They've got to ride him. Um, And as for the Bears, David Montgomery goes down. Usually when the starter goes down and will not play in this game, you probably share away from this kind of situation. But Khalil Herbert came in last week. He had a few flashes last season as well. Uh, I really liked him. I picked him from fantasy in one of my leagues this year. 30 points last week. He was on my bench, but we'll not talk about that. <laughs> um, Khalil Herbert was sensational last week when he came in. Uh, two touchdowns, 157 yards on the ground for the Bears. Looks an absolute talent. He'll be a starter next season. Uh, probably, will end the se- probably will end this season as a starter, frankly. I think oh, I- even coming into the season, that they the Bears knew inside that it was going to be a split backfield. And the opportunity that Herbert's got, I think he was going to win out the job regardless as the season went. But now this is such a good opportunity for him to absolutely dominate. That yeah, I love this. Hundred percent. I like him both to score. It's as simple as that. You can take the, you can take the Rovers and the Russia line if you want. Fair enough. But three to one, I think you can get a little bit higher than that potential as well. If you shop around, Barkley and Herbert both to score a touchdown. I think they're both going to get twenty reps, twenty reps each at least in this game. That should be plenty of opportunity. At the very least, it's one of those bets where. Look, like I say, it's not a scientific when you're looking at touchdowns. It's one of those things. It's more of a sexy pick, but that's just because there's a little bit more of unpredictability. That's just the nature of the beast. But if they get into 20 carries each, you'd like to think at least three or four of those are going to be in a position where they can score a touchdown. And then you kind of leave it up to the football gods a little bit. But they're going to be in position. That's what I'm telling you. With the players they've got out, it, you're looking at, you're going to rely on your best players to score. Yes, you're looking at how much the Bears rush the ball compared to how they pass. Herbert's going to be put in those situations where he can score a touchdown. Same with Saquon Barkley. Throw into Richard James Jr., the other wide receiver who I already forgot his name, Ross, because David unheard Sills, of. David Sills, I think it's the fifth. David Sills, the fifth. David Sills, the fifth. <laughs> right, great. That sums not it not up. much, yeah, not, not too much originality in the Sills family, I don't think, in that one. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, two relative unknowns um you, you have to be yeah you have to be right on top of the ball in, in order to know even who i mean who's gonna be wide receiver three for the giants i have no idea absolutely exactly. no idea this week that kind of sums it up it's all about the run the bears second in the league rushing yards 186.7 very impressive giants fourth just shy of 170 it, it's pretty straightforward that's what they're going to be doing pick the two back score a touchdown i think it makes sense i think it I makes like sense it. And that's all we've got time for. Thank you very, very much for listening, everyone. Uh, thank you for sticking with us as well. A little bit later this week, we'll be back to normal programming next week with a Friday episode, but we've still got this out in plenty of time. If you're heading down to London this week, if you're a UK fan, enjoy. Uh, enjoy the game. Take our tips if you wish. Uh, the Vikings and the Saints should be a good one. And otherwise, enjoy Sunday's football overall. We'll be back next week. We'll discuss TNF. We'll look back on how we did this week. And of course, then we'll look forward to week five as well. For me and Matt, we'll see you next time.